Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The following is a CA original. The Mighty Sound of the South, tailgating on Tiger Lane. Tom Three at the Liberty Bowl. Each one a Memphis football tradition. This is the Tiger Football Podcast. What's happening, Tiger football fans? We are back for another edition of the Tiger Football Podcast. I'm Mark Giannato, commercial appeal sports columnist. I'm joined by Evan Barnes, our Tiger football beat writer. Um, Your official week two edition of the podcast. Tigers coming off a a nice 42-17 win over Nichols State to begin the season. They've got Arkansas State coming up on Saturday, a road game in Jonesboro uh, for the the paint bucket, right? Isn't that what it's called? It used to be the paint bucket bowl, yep. Yeah, the paint bucket bowl. I'm curious. I I don't think I've seen anyone – have we figured out where the paint bucket is? Like, has anyone located it? So I spoke to somebody about it a couple of weeks ago, and I guess – so to be honest, the paint bucket bowl was actually more a thing in the 50s where I think they had it for two years. Memphis won those games, and I believe um, – I can't remember which coach it was. I think it may have been um, Murphy. I think it was Coach Murphy. He basically didn't want to keep the rivalry going because Memphis was whooping Arkansas State – and so they revived it in the 70s, but in the 50s, it was the paint bucket bowl was for two games, if I'm not mistaken. Memphis won both, and then they were like, all right, we're done. So I don't know where that paint bucket is. I think our, our good buddy Matt Dillon said it might be might have been chucked somewhere in – somewhere, I don't know, maybe it's in the Mississippi. Yeah, maybe, it's like, maybe it's somewhere at the bottom of the Mississippi or something. <laughs> um, but, no, we can rename it the Tom Bowen Bowl, too. You know, this is yeah. uh, the reun- reunion. Tom Bowen, the former Memphis AD, is now the AD over at Arkansas State. <laughs> but um, lots to get to uh, during this week's uh, episode. Um, we've got some news on Grant Canal. We've got a new, potentially new quarterback uh, program, you know, not potentially new. We've got a new quarterback and a quarterback who could be the quarterback for a while um, in Seth Hennigan. We'll talk about him and break down everything that happened in the Nickel State game. Also have news on the conference realignment front. and Not, not good news for Memphis, unfortunately, but we'll break that down. And then obviously we'll get you ready for the Arkansas State game. But let's start, Evan, with the news about Grant Gannell. Um He's gone in about a week span. He's gone from full go. Um, the way I phrased it in my column was full go to fully on the shelf. Um, you know, I have my doubts that he was ever full go, but um, it was announced yesterday, first via his high school coach, and then I believe you confirmed it through Ryan Silverfield uh, that Grant Gannell is going to have surgery on what we believe. Ryan Silverfield has classified it as a lower body injury. Um, I believe, Evan, we're under the impression that it's it's an Achilles injury more than likely. Have not confirmed, just to say, 
But mm-hmm. if you can, if you've heard that, then that's probably what it sounds like. Gotcha. But so Ganell now is out for you know he hasn't been ruled out for the entire season, but certainly if he's getting surgery, uh, he's going to be out a while. Um, what did you make of that news, Evan? What do you think it means for the program moving forward? That you know, obviously this big transfer they brought in from Arizona looks like his his season. I, I know they haven't said his season is over, but um, certainly if he does play, it's going to be not for a while. Yeah, I mean, it was telling because when you saw Ganell on the field, there was no he wasn't in a boot, he didn't have a sling on. Um, he was in shorts, and that probably lets you know that this is some kind of maybe muscle injury versus, like, something really, really bad. Like, thinking about Patrick Taylor two years ago, he was in a boot for that foot injury, but he didn't play after that first game until November. So it sounds like this was definitely something you couldn't just, like, quickly get back from just from looking at him. Um, and so with Gunnell, um, I guess the question now is you're looking at the quarterback room. You don't just have Seth Hennigan. You have a redshirt freshman in Keelan Brown behind him. You have Peter Parrish, who's a sophomore, who didn't make his debut until last game in the last drive. So now you're kind of at the And, by the way, you've got Tevin Carter coming in next year. Right. So Recruit out of Pure Academy. So next year could be very interesting. Let's assume the season goes well. Maybe Tevin Carter comes in and it's interesting. But if it goes poorly, Tevin Carter walks in, and now you're looking at maybe, hey – this guy can come in and win the job. So there's a whole lot that will happen over the next few months that's going to be really tenuous for this staff, depending on how Seth Hennigan fares. And um, it's going to be really interesting. And we don't know what's going to happen with Gunnell. Like, Gunnell obviously could come back and make it a fun battle. But, you know, there's a whole lot that could happen. Yeah, well, there's a lot at play here because ultimately we saw it with Brady White. Once you choose your starting quarterback – in, especially in this day and age with the transfer portal, and especially at that position, all, the other guys are going to leave. That's what happened even before the transfer portal was a thing, even before the transfer waiver th- was a thing. When they picked Brady White to be the quarterback, first Brady Davis left, then David Moore left, then Brady McBride left, eventually Connor Adair even left. Like Over all that time... Um, all those quarterbacks left. And I suspect the same thing will happen here eventually. Once Memphis settles on a quarterback for the future, you know, I, I think the other guys won't be here. Now, the question is, and this can get us into the Nickel State game, you know, is Seth, have, have, have they already found that guy in Seth Hennigan? I, I think the jury's still out. I know, I know they're very encouraged, and you sh- they should be, by what Seth Hennigan did as a, a – freshman starting in that nickel state game um i suspect you know so i think a lot of this probably depends like what what that quarterback room looks like next year probably depends a lot on what seth hennigan does the rest of this year if he comes out if he looks like he did on saturday as the competition ramps up the rest of the year for the most part and, and you you come out of this season going man we, we found our quarterback then, you know, frankly, I suspect Grant Gannell won't come back. And I suspect maybe even you lose Tevin Carter because the, the especially at the quarterback position, these guys wanna these guys are wanna play. Um and then if you look at but and on the other hand, let's say, you know, Seth Hennigan is, you know, they go Memphis goes six and six, and Seth Hennigan has his ups and downs, and 
you know, like, and, and it's a, it's a competition going into the spring again. Well, then I think, you know, we'll be back, you know, like ultimately it comes down to um, what happens at that position. Um, but I guess in terms of first impressions, it felt like Seth Hennigan did a nice job in that nickel state game. Um, and it, it did, it made the way I've phrased it is, you know, a lot of times when you have a true freshman, especially a quarterback, it can change expectations for the season because, you know, it's, it's expecting a lot. And, and the way, the way I saw it coming out of that first nickel state game, nothing about my expectations for this season changed based on what Seth Hennigan did. Um, and I say that in that, like, I think the ceiling is still for this team. You know what? They could, they, if, if things fall together, right, they could be the second best team in the AAC. And I also think there's a scenario where they could be like a six and six or seven and five team. If, you know, if Hennigan struggles cause he's a true freshman and all that stuff. Uh, no, but that was, that was my feeling going into the season opener too. Um, so I think Seth Hennigan did a nice job um, executing in his first game. What were your impressions of Seth watching him against Nichols State? Evan? I thought that with Seth, you know, the one thing that impressed me the most was they kind of let him do a little bit more as the game went on, which was encouraging because he started off pretty well, you know, some some easy passes here and there. But then they let him kind of, you know, do some things that were kind of impressive. Like the one play that stands out in my head is I think it was either to open the third quarter or second quarter. He called an audible, went under center and checked out of whatever he was doing. And Brandon Thomas ended up going for a long run. I thought that reminded me of kind of what this offense relies on. So I like that. I like the deep ball. I like the back shoulder throw. I thought, like you said, it was a good solid debut. You're not going to go crazy. This wasn't Bryce Young at um, Alabama. This wasn't C.J. Stroud at Ohio State, two other freshman guys who who started. Um, this was a good, solid debut. But like you said, I think I don't really have any more hope or fear for the season based on that one game. I think we're going to have to just see what happens. And I think this month is really going to test that starting on Saturday because these next three games are not going to be easy. And so I think I like what Seth Hennigan did. It was a good debut. I have a story at commercialappeal.com about – why he was so poised. I mean, this is an 18-year-old kid who has not just played Texas high school football, but he's been on the sidelines at Texas high school football games. He played T-ball when he was four years old against six-year-old kids. This is a young man who is confident, who said he enrolled early because either I'm going to get the backup job or I'm going to start. So this guy knows exactly what he was going to do. And it looks like we may have lost Mark on this. So I'm going to go on for a little bit more. It's okay. Um, but overall, I thought the game was well for Seth Hennigan. I think you obviously don't want to read too much into it. You want to keep it in perspective. But the most important thing is Memphis got the win. You're pretty confident that, hey, they'll be fine for Arkansas State, maybe. But you do worry, again, what's going to happen when we get to Mississippi State. So we have a lot to see what will happen here. Um, and until Mark gets back, I'm going to go ahead and just talk about another thing I liked about the game, which was the running game looked a lot better. Um, we saw Brandon Thomas make his kind of official debut. Yes, he had two carries last season, but Brandon Thomas had a great debut. He had 147 yards. He ran hard. Like some of those runs, I think we all kind of saw, he looked very, very physical. So um, I was encouraged to see what he could do. 
Um, Ryan Schofield said that they have no doubt who their starter is. So we're going to see Brandon Thomas again on Saturday. But overall, I thought the Tigers running game looked a lot better. They were able to run the ball better. Uh, we saw Dree Clark, you know, knock over a defender. We saw Asa Martin get some carries. We saw Marquavius Weaver look good. And I think that's encouraging because with a freshman quarterback, you need to have this running game work. You need to have this running game be on point. So um, that's going to be key to see what happens here going forward. But overall, I like the run game. Um, and ultimately, that's what you're going to need going into Arkansas State to have that balance. I agree, Evan, that taking some of the pressure off Seth Hennigan is going to be important moving forward because um, – you know, what was it? I agree with you. One of the, the most impressive thing to me with Seth was not necessarily like he made some nice throws, including, you know, those, some of those deep balls to Gabe Rogers and Javon Ivory. But I was really impressed just with his presence and his composure and what seemed like, uh, I guess, you know, one of the interesting things to come out of this is typically when a freshman quarterback wins the job like this. It's because physically they're overwhelming. You know, they're just better than the other options because they're more talented. But when you listen to the coaches talk about Hennigan, part of the reason he won this job is because he knew the playbook better than everyone. Um, and that's impressive as an 18-year-old. And so I bring that up to say what I found really impressive is, you know, like you mentioned, he, he was able to make pre-snap reads. He was made, able to make pre-snap checks. He had the wherewithal. He wasn't just taking off and running for his life. He was running, looking to throw the ball. He knew when to slide. He had all these, all the little details of playing quarterback. He seemed further along than you would expect an 18-year-old true freshman to be um, in terms of his presence. But at the same time, you know, what you've got to realize is when you have a true freshman quarterback, there are going to be ups and downs. There's going to be clunkers along the way. Um, that's just inevitable. Um, that's just inevitable that, that a true freshman is going to have some bad games. And to have someone like Brandon Thomas, to have that offensive line uh, mashing like they did is going to be really important for Seth Hennigan moving forward. Because let's just be honest, I, it was an FCS opponent. I mean, yeah. they did what yeah. they were supposed to do against an FCS yeah. opponent. I think we're going to get a better sense of what Seth is capable of as a freshman this week against Arkansas State, the following week against Mississippi State, and, and frankly, the week after against UTSA. Those are going to be much more, much better barometers of how far along Seth Hennigan is at this point in his career. Uh, but for a first game, it, w it went about as well as you could have hoped for, for, a, for an 18-year-old being thrown in there. And so uh, if, that's the, if that's the starting point and he can get, you know, at the end of the year, you look back and he's better than that, I think you'll feel pretty good about how it all went. Um, so uh, an interesting first game. What did you think of the defense? They, they had a bad first drive where Nichols State went right down the field on him. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, other than that, did a pretty good job. I think one concerning thing is, you know, once again, it's been a it's been a trend for this defense for the last four or five years. Didn't get a lot of pressure on the quarterback. Um, but other than that, seemed to do a nice job. 
picked up where they left off for the most part last year. Uh, your impressions of the defense in that first game, Evan? I thought <clears throat> I thought the defense, again, kind of like against an FCS, FCS opponent, as you said, I thought they did a good job. I thought it was they settled down. They did what they needed to do. I was concerned, like you said, about the pass rush because I thought that was going to be a strength of this team. And I asked Mike McIntyre, the defensive coordinator, about it, and they said that they got to the quarterback, but they just couldn't wrap him up because he was so slippery. He was getting away and running around. So they gave him a lot of credit for that. Um, but I did think that was a concern. I'm, I'm going to be watching for that on Saturday to see kind of how they can um, get that because, to me, this defense has more shows. If they have Wardell Stucksworth, if they are not able to get a pass rush going – I'm a little bit concerned about that. So that was probably my only takeaway. But other than that, I thought it was they did a good job. They handled business. They didn't give up too many big plays. Um, overall, I thought it was a very workmanlike effort. Solid. So Monte Oliver had a pick late in the game. So we had to see the takeaway belt. But overall, solid, not overwhelming, but again, did its job. They held Nichols to under 300 yards of total offense. So now, again, we'll judge them better after Arkansas State, I think. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting. All right, let's take things off the field for a second. Um, we've gotten some news percolate, percolating uh, with conference realignment. Uh, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF are expected to join the Big Twelve officially. It sounds like Friday they'll get their inv- you know they'll get th- their invitation, if you will, Friday. But it's it's done. I talked to Mike Oresco. We're recording this on Thursday morning. I spoke to him yesterday, uh, Wednesday, and you know he's accepted that they are leaving the conference. And there's no, there's no real, no way to to sugarcoat it. It's a, it's a blow for the AAC, and it's a blow for Memphis because those three schools, I think, were the most like-minded with Memphis. Um, you know, UCF, Houston, and Cincinnati um, in football, especially in football and basketball, um, but football especially. And, you know, they were, aside from Memphis, I mean, those were the three schools that, other than Memphis that had represented the AAC in a New Year's Six Bowl over these last six, seven years. So um, a blow to the AAC. Mike Oresco told me yesterday they are going to, their response is they are going to expand, probably back to 12 teams. So they're going to add four teams to the league. Um, but it's an awkward period because let's just be honest, whatever four teams they add, it's going to, I don't, I can't imagine there are four teams that they're going to add that are going to be able to match what Cincinnati UCF and Houston brought to the conference. And frankly, if you're a Memphis fan, like at this point, you know, you don't want to be in the AAC. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I mean, keep it real. Keep it real. Like, I mean, let's just be real. You don't want to like, be in this league anymore. It's back to being, you know, what you know. Right now, it feels like it's going to go back to what it was felt like when you were in Conference USA, and you're really just looking and hoping there's going to be more movement. And my gut tells me there will be more movement on the conference realignment front. And you got left out this time, but you're hoping you don't get left out the next time uh, this the wheel starts spinning. And, and hopefully that's sooner rather than later. But um, what what do you make of Memphis's spot right now with conference realignment? It, it, it kind of, I kind of go back to what Ryan Sorfield said. It's almost like there's nothing you can do. The wheels of motion are already going. Um, 
As we're recording this, I guess uh, Dennis Dodd from CBS Sports reported that, I guess, Texas Tech AD Kirby Hocutt said that there may be more expansion. They said that the, the Big Ten, Big 12 expansion may only be the first round and a larger expansion for the league. So who knows what can happen? But right now, it just seems like Memphis is kind of just waiting in the wind. And it feels like it's it's kind of like you're on a date and the person has chosen somebody else, but it's not your fault. It's about what the person wants. And that's kind of what the Big 12 is doing here. It's not that Memphis hasn't done its part. I mean, over the last 10 years, Memphis has gone from being one of the worst teams in the country to a program that has been consistent, that has won as many games in the AAC as anybody, that's had some of the highest rated games among AAC teams. They've, you know, went to the Cotton Bowl. They, they did all they could. Yeah. Well, now, here's, here's the issue. Here's the issue. They, I feel for Memphis fans because they, it, Memphis fans think about this in terms of we deserve this. And I and I think they're right. I think on the field, on the court, you know, with what they've done, with what the university administration has done to strengthen the academic profile of the university, with the investments they've made, I, I do think they deserve it. But I'm saying that as someone who's seen it up close. And I, and I think you have to think about it in terms of what the, say, the the TCU president or the Oklahoma State president um, is is thinking in terms of this. And um, when they look at it, I think this strictly comes down to money. Those yeah. schools have more money than Memphis. Um, I really do think it comes like, you know, people talk about an on-campus stadium and all, you know, UCF, Houston and uh, – and uh, Cincinnati all have on-campus stadiums, but like I don't think it's much as the on, as the about the on-campus stadium as much as they had the money to build an on-campus stadium. Whereas Memphis, you know, like look at the investments they've made; it's great. They had to take out a loan to build the practice indoor practice facility, um, and so they don't look. At, these college presidents are not looking at it in terms of well, Memphis deserves it. That's not how they look at it. They look at what is going to bring our league the most money. And when they look at these other schools, and I I think they look at it as, you know, they, they these schools have more money. They're in these big markets and they're going to, you know, they're going to, they're going to, they have the biggest potential for growth um, because of all that money. Um, right. And it sucks. That's not what college sports should be. But that's what it is. I mean, let's um, let, let me jump in on that. Like, I, I hate to say that, but this is what it's about. That's what realignment was about ten years ago. It was about the money. It was about the prestige. It was about getting into the playoff. This this isn't about football anymore. This isn't about. It's definitely not about basketball because you know basketball rivalries have been upended by realignment. This is about money, and it's about what benefits. Like, we can even take what Mike Oresco said when they wanted when when UConn left. Mike Oresco said, we're not just going to add teams. We're going to add teams that help our brand. Well, the Big 12 is doing just that. So I understand. But this is this is what sucks. It's about money. Now, I will say the Texas Tech AD alluded to it, that they're, they're, this, is, this is not the end of this. The Big 12 is going to expand again. Heck, the Pac-12, the ACC, all those leagues, one of them could decide to expand in a couple years and take some of the big 12 teams. You know, this is all just a big 
um, you know, a shark eating a fish, eating a guppy, eating a eating a tadpole type of situation. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? And so I will say, like, if you're Memphis, though, the goal needs to be we need to get with like minded schools again. And whether that's, you know, in the long term, I think that's getting back with Cincinnati, UCF, Houston, getting whatever the Big 12 looks like five years from now. You know, Memphis needs probably needs to be part of that. Like, you know, ultimately, that's what the fans want um, in the short term. You know, it's interesting. There's a lot of names being thrown about for AAC expansion. And my my feeling is if you're Memphis, if you're looking around the landscape, what are the schools that are like closest to us in terms of how they think about college athletics? I don't think it's the UABs or the Arkansas States or the Southern Misses of the world, even though like Memphis has history with those schools. Um, I don't think it's charlotte or utsa like those if i'm memphis i'm looking west if i'm the aac i'm trying you know and maybe the aac doesn't want to do this because frankly it feels like the mountain west might be in a better spot than the aac right now but like if i'm memphis i'm trying to get with i'm not thinking about geography i'm thinking about what is in the short term what is going to salvage this situation and to me, it's like getting with Boise State, San Diego State, UNLV, maybe Colorado State, schools like that, where, you know, like, you know, if you could if you could merge the Mountain West and the AAC, that wouldn't be a bad league. Like, that's how I would be thinking about it. And like, who cares what it's called? It could mean the end of the AAC if you did that. For And like, frankly, who cares? Like, you know, ultimately, if you're Memphis, you're thinking about it. Okay. We can play Boise in football. We'll, maybe we bring Tulane, SMU, and you know some other schools along with us. San Diego State and UNLV have good basketball programs. Colorado State is a brand new on-campus stadium, and they've had uh, good football over the historically. Uh, that's who I'm looking to partner with, not these you know Louisiana or Coastal Carolina or you know these Sun Belt and and uh, and Conference USA teams. Because I think the goal in the short term, and again, this could all change because the Big 12 is going to expand again, but you have to be mind, you, you want to set yourself in position where if they do change the college football playoff to the six conference champion, six best conference champions, you need to make sure you're in the six best conference for sure. And I think the only way to do that is to like mer- is to merge with the Mountain West. If 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 the AAC takes like four Conference USA or Sun Belt teams, and that's how they decide to do this, I don't think there's a guarantee you're better than the Mountain West. No, and be honest, the Mountain West could arguably make a claim that they've had as much good football as the AAC has. I mean, Memphis is going to play Boise State uh, in I believe in 2030, so you already have a schedule set up, so you might as well look. And again, you mentioned basketball. The Mountain West basketball is pretty solid. You bring Memphis in, it helps out. I think, like you said, it's all about survival. It's all about what's best to make sure the eight, that Memphis, as you've said before, at me- what's best for Memphis? What is going to help Memphis get stronger? Because right now, if you're going to be the best team in the whatever the AAC is going to be now, that doesn't really help you. And it doesn't help being the best of, like, Conference USA reborn. So I'm, I'm a, you've made that point this week. I agree with you. And if anything – 
as somebody who's a West Coast guy, I would love it. Like, travel would suck, but you know what? It would be great football. It'd be great basketball. It'd be great to try to get together with these schools that already have made a debt nationally. They've been ranked, some of these schools in the Mountain West, um, San Diego State, Boise State, obviously. Why not? Now, now, do I think that's realistic? I don't know. I mean, I think I think the, the more likely scenario is, you know, the scenario report that's being reported is they go more UAB, Charlotte, UTSA, maybe Florida Atlantic, you know, schools like that. Um, that that's the the vibe I've gotten. And ultimately, if that's the case, well, then if you're Memphis, you really got to you really got to get to the Big 12. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's so, be honest. A regional party is fun. A national party is a lot more fun. I'm just saying. Not, I would just say this. There's rivalries and stuff. And I, ultimately, I think football will be fine as long as again, as long as they're in the sixth best conference, even if they even if Memphis doesn't get to the Big 12, I think it'll be fine. But ultimately, Memphis aspires for stuff that some of these other regional schools just don't aspire for. And you want to get with other schools like Cincinnati, UCF and Houston had that same sort of aspirational look, whether they it was reasonable or not. They had the same sort of aspirational goals of competing with the biggest of the big boys. And I think Memphis has the, that same mindset. And and now they are it feels like they are in a league where no one else the, the remaining teams don't necessarily have that like that. Maybe SMU. I mean, it feels like Memphis and SMU are kind of the bell cows of the conference now. And um, it's just not ideal. It's, uh, there's nothing good about it. Um, I don't think it's the end of the world, um, especially because you do have this carrot dangling out there that the Big 12 is going to expand again. And now I do think if the Big 12 expanded again and passed over Memphis again, then I think you'd be – like, oh my gosh, like this is just, this is like, uh, we're never going to get where we want to get. But um, at the same time, there's no spinning this as good, um, be it for the AAC or Memphis. No, and you don't want to wait either. Like you said, even if the second round comes, why wait and hope for that? You need to be actively trying to position yourself. So I'm with you. Right now, the best thing is win games and for people behind the scenes, Keep moving to try to position yourself. But if you wait, well, you support, you got to support the program. Again, it comes down a lot of times, you know, it Memphis has had a better football program than Houston the last five years. Yes. But that didn't matter. That, like that didn't matter ultimately um, because Houston had more money. <laughs> like that's really, I mean, like <laughs> you know, that's the real, that's the, 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 the real of this whole thing. So um, it, it's a, it's an interesting situation um and like like I said I think the fans are right Memphis deserves better than this but unfortunately deserves is not necessarily how conference realignment works that's how that's how Rutgers ended up in the Big Ten <laughs> you think Rutgers deserved to be in the Big Ten no way um so um hopefully brighter days are ahead but unfortunately right now it's not the greatest all right we'll wrap things up like this Evan what are you expecting in this Arkansas State game uh, this weekend because we do have an exciting season ahead of us with, with Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF still in the mix in the AAC. Um, what what I guess what are you looking for out of Memphis in this uh, in this game against Arkansas State? 
I'm excited to see kind of how this offense looks on the road. I want to see what Seth Hennigan does in his first road game. I want to see if Brandon Thomas being back in Arkansas gives him a little bit of juice so he can have another 100-yard game. But more importantly, on a big note, I want to see the offense look a little bit stronger in the red zone. Um, too many field goals. Yay for, Joe, yay for Joe Doyle kicking five field goals. That was great. But this offense, we want to see them kind of get back on track, score more touchdowns. Um, Arkansas State has two quarterbacks. Um, as Ryan Silverfield lovingly noted to us, uh, their backup quarterback, Lane Hatcher, who came off the bench, was 12 for 12, had four touchdowns in the second half. So Memphis has to face prepare for two quarterbacks. So I want to see a good knockdown, maybe bring back some of the old rivalry talk. I think the folks in Jonesboro are going to be excited for this game. Uh, but I want to see Memphis kind of, you know, come out a little bit stronger, especially defensively. And I want to see how Seth Hennigan does. So it should be a fun day in Jonesboro. I'll be out there. We'll have a lot of coverage of commercial appeal. Uh, Mark, what do you think? I know you're going to be at the Southern Heritage Classic. So uh, what do you think about this game? Oh, I think it's a really interesting game because, you know, it's it's on the road. Arkansas State was a pretty good team last year. Returns a decent amount. Got Butch Jones as their coach now. Um, and... You know, I think it's going to be a test. I think this whole non-conference schedule now from here, these next three games, you know, they Memphis, if they don't play well, could lose all three of them. I mean, UTSA I went out and beat Illinois. Mississippi State is Mississippi State. And again, this Arkansas State team was bowl eligible last year. Um, so this I, I think you're right. The, the spotlight will be on Seth Hennigan again in that, you know, can he replicate what he did against Nichols State? against Arkansas State. He doesn't have to throw for 300, 400 yards or whatever, but can he manage the game effectively like he did against Nickel State against a step up in competition? Um, that to me is is what you're looking for out of this one. It, and it should be a fun atmosphere because even though it's a road game, I suspect there'll be a lot of Memphis blue in the crowd, blue and gray. Um, so an interesting uh, regional matchup. For sure. And, and like Evan said, he'll be out there. We'll have tons of coverage on commercialappeal.com. And we will join you next week to break it all down here on the Tiger Football Podcast. Till then, I was Mark. I was joined by Evan. Thanks so much. And uh, have a safe trip to Jonesboro. The Tiger Football Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.